0: Hello, me popsicles. Why don't you grab your multipass, a drink, and come sit with us? Let's pick each other's brain. We want you to be part of our intimate conversation about science fiction topics. Let's do this. Join us and let's talk about science fiction topics in books, movies, TV shows, and games. At Science Fiction Remnant, you are invited to listen in. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget your multi-pass. <laughs> this podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link red5.
1: Oh boy, welcome Scuttlebutt Nation to another episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I am Ro, just a simple man trying to make my way through the universe and straight from the caves of Ilum, searching for that perfect dragon stone to put inside his dragon slayer lightsaber, I'm joined by the <laughs> original butt to my scuttle, Brad the Terrible. Well, we got to give you a nickname, a Dungeons and Dragons nickname. How goes the adventure, my friend?
2: Brad the ter- Terrible. Terrible of all, of all adjectives you could give me. Terrible. <laughs> how, Brad the Creative. That sounds great. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing good. I mean, actually, it's uh, the weather is pretty nasty here. Uh, oh, no. It's more uh, Camino than in uh, Ilum right now, but actually, between the two, I think I take Camino over Ilum. It's kind of cold there, um, but uh, doing good. Yeah, we we doing the D&D thing, but uh, besides that, uh, I'm doing pretty good out here in Charleston. Wow, Ro, I don't know where I am right now. So you have all the <laughs> yeah, outtakes. Exactly. I am in Virginia right now, and the weather is like Camino. <laughs> Yes, you have keep all it the straight. outtakes for the show. Keep, keep hey, bro, how are, you, how, how are you doing, bro? <laughs>
1: Absolutely great. The weather in Chicago is wonderful. I am stoked. Um, we've been talking about this uh, topic for uh, a while, and we're getting down and uh, finally getting a chance to record it. Um, but uh, before we do that, I wanted to talk to you about uh, – We haven't uh, actually had an episode where it's just you and I um, for the longest time. And, uh, you know, it's nice because a lot of folks that kind of uh, followed us early on uh, have been direct messaging me and and asking me, uh, you know, we haven't had an episode in a while, uh, just the two. But, uh, you know, our friend Ollie from Canada uh, is always, uh, you know, itching at the bit, trying to see if uh, we can get together and do a, uh, a Rowan Brad show. Um, Shanti, we love you, but sometimes the bros got to hang. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I,
2: yeah, I can't say what they say. Um, uh, <laughs> bros are for I don't know. Uh, no, it's, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's always good, you know, and we, we, like you said, we've been talking about this particular topic, uh, for a little bit, wanted to do it, uh, you know, all about the the villains the bad guy and uh it's one of these good old-fashioned scarif deep dives that we used to do back in the day so yeah like you said it's exciting to get back to it
1: back in the day that's right back in 2019 um has it seemed like it's been as long as it has brad since we started this little venture
2: no because i I just was just thinking about what year it was and and you're like uh, yeah you know, 20, yeah, I was thinking 2020, but yeah, it was 2019, 2019. and no, it, it does not seem like that long, but it's, it's one of those, what a long, strain trip it's been, but it's also, feels like it's been five minutes since we started and we were tweeting about, you know, Star Wars celebration out there in Chicago. So
1: yeah, lots of fun. Very interesting indeed. Um, but before we get into that main topic, I wanted to talk to you about recommendations. Have you been watching anything? Oh. <sighs> I've been watching
2: all the things. There is so much good television on right now. And you Uh, always
1: say, you always say it's, it's a good year to be a geek, but I mean, this year it really is. I mean, so
2: obviously we had stranger things, uh, that, that finale was amazing. I thought there are some people that didn't like it. I thought it was awesome. Um, Eddie, uh, Eddie Munson, we love you. Um, and, uh, what we have umbrella Academy had, had a new season. That was great. The boys, finish that up on Amazon. Uh, so there is a there's a whole bunch of stuff out there, whatever flavor you like. Um, and I'm, I've been very impressed about how good the finales are. Sometimes finales are like, I feel like in the last few years, there's been a lot of finales that are just duds. But I thought finales for all these shows were really good. and And they left you looking forward to more seasons, which is the point of a finale. So really good stuff out there right now.
1: You know, I'm really glad that you got into the Umbrella Academy. Um, I started watching that a, a while ago, and I, I can't remember if I ever mentioned it to you. And I should have because you, uh, I think, on a stream you had mentioned to me um, that is uh, it was very JFK JFK heavy. Yeah, and so uh, totally I'm still forgot. Holding-
2: Yeah, I'm still holding that against you because uh, (laughs) you and I met because of – or I met, quote, unquote, whatever, uh, you know, on on Twitter because of my work on on JFK and the assassination and everything surrounding that. And uh, and then, you know, watching the Umbrella Academy, and then it it took me a while for it to click. I'm like, Umbrella? That's like – and I was told, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, there was – References to JFK. I didn't realize that the was that the second or third season. I think it was the third season, all about JFK. Right, and uh, so um, yeah, and and how they wove the fictional story into well. We don't know exactly what's reality at this point, <laughs> but, uh, you know, how they wove that in, I, I thought was was genius. So, yeah, if you're interested in just uh, science fiction, time traveling and as well as you know, JFK's assassination and the repercussions or, uh, you know, Ro likes to make fun of me because I was asked what if or um, what about isms, I think. Uh, and that shows what would happen if he didn't get assassinated and, and doesn't go as you think it would. So uh, really interesting watch there
1: yeah i'm glad you picked it up um every time i see a show about uh the assassination of jfk for whatever reason i think of you and the zapruder film but mostly you so it's uh it's been great watching that what else have you been uh, watching
2: zapruder was a 33 degree freemason all right there's my jfk (laughs) fact for the for the show there you go uh he wasn't there randomly just so everybody knows there's your (laughs) load i was gonna throw jfk facts from now on just a little tidbit So you know something that goes into the what we're going to be talking about tonight. I just finished—I don't know how many times I've rewatched this movie, but I just finished another rewatch of *The Gladiator*, and that was from 2000 with Russell Crowe. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix—that's one of those movies that uh, never gets old, in my opinion. And, yeah. Uh, the uh, Emperor is—I think somebody that I, I know myself—I'll be talking about uh, later in the episode um, about villains
1: yeah that um that's a great movie and you're right it, it does have uh great rewatchability it's one of those movies that i can just pop in and just you know watch it from wherever it is that uh, that it starts playing if it's on you know streaming or television or anything like that but it yep. it's and it has such a beautiful soundtrack um, it does yep. you know just sit there and listen to the soundtrack and um it's just it's majestic it's it's gorgeous
2: yeah, it's uh, over two hours and thirty minutes, but you're you know enthralled in the story the entire time, so it doesn't really seem like that long.
1: Yeah, and uh, great ca- characters and the actors. Uh, what a great ensemble of, of actors. Um, really, uh, really love uh, the Gladiator. Yeah. I uh, I knew you liked uh, Gladiator movies, Brad. <laughs> 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 little uh, my little airplane reference.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I just made a gladiator D and D character, so then I had to I had to get some inspiration and, and watch the movie. So
1: there you go, there you go. And speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, let's drop a little info on your D and D channel, Red Five yeah. Tavern.
2: So we just started the Red Five Tavern. Uh, you know, um, you know, we've done uh, we started playing, and uh, we we were talking amongst the the Red Fivers hey, who's interested in playing some D&D? And uh, I was not ready for how many people replied to that and jumped all over the opportunity. So there's about four four or five regulars right now um, and a whole bunch of people that want to get in on the action, which we swear we'll, we'll, we'll let you in as we can. But, yeah, we play on uh, Friday nights. Uh, we're on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, it's the... the Twitter is called the red five Tavern at red five Tavern. And uh, you can find us on Facebook as well on the red five Tavern and that Instagram thing, which I'm still trying to figure out. uh, I don't (laughs) really, but anyway, there's, there's like five people that follow us over there, but anyway, um, so we have both new players and some experienced players. And what my goal was is to show everybody that anybody can play D and D. You don't have to go, You know, you don't have to know who Gary Gygax is. Uh, You don't have to know, uh, you don't have to have been playing for four decades now. Um, Anybody can pick up a character sheet and a pencil and use their imagination and start playing. So please check out the Red 5 Tavern. You'll see all your favorite Red 5 faces on there. And uh, we just have a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was watching one of your streams, and you know, it it can be intimidating because of uh, all the the. Usually, when people think about Dungeons and Dragons, obviously there's a, a narrative, a story that kind of threads the adventure through. But then you've got all these uh, all these dice, and uh, which one do you use, and how do you use it? Uh, but uh, it, it's not that difficult.
2: No, and that's the job of the dungeon master. Yeah, you have a lot of dice. Um, those can be intimidating, but you know you have your DM there. They'll tell you when you need to use what dice, and they'll get you through that part. That's you know to me that's secondary to the adventure and to the socializing between the characters. You know, just have fun with it.
1: Absolutely. So everybody, go check out Red Five Tavern. Red Five Tavern on all the socials. Make sure that you. Uh, write out the the number five not the, the word five so Red right. Five Tavern
0: and away we go hello oh, there Rancho Obi-Wan the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection located in Petaluma, California featuring the collection of super collector author and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet the most powerful Jedi ever visit RanchoObi-Wan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum a fun authentic fan experience ...featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind-the-scenes stories and information, and so much more. Plus, your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum. It's the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. Subscribe now at RanchoObiWan.org. Get tons of cool perks, information, and history of Star Wars collecting from the man who knows it best, Steve Sansweet. while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest Star Wars... Worst memorabilia collection, Rancho Obi-Wan.org.
1: All right, guys, so for decades, heroes have battled bad guys. The story of good versus evil is as old as time itself. As fans of science fiction and fantasy, it's a morality tale, a hero's journey, as we say, the fight between light versus dark. The bad guy. So, it, a staples in fables and fairy tales and classic storytelling. But in the recent few years, uh, that trope has kind of turned itself on its side by offering up a different take, which we're going to talk about. We're going to discuss that new interpretation of the antagonist versus the more traditional version of the bad guy. Are we seeing a new era of the bad guy where audiences need to to see some sort of redemption? Are they just misunderstood? What's your take on that? Stay tuned for more Scuttlebutt on the legacy of the bad guy.
0: The dishonorable weirdo Abigail will now speak. Attention all weirdos. Losers, rednecks, white trash, aliens, outcasts, outliers, sluts, whores, gangsters, thugs, poors, and anyone else who the world and society don't care about. I have a podcast for you. Come join me at the Manic Pixie Weirdo where we talk about all the different kinds of relationships we have in our lives. From movies to math and suicide hotlines to sex. Join us every Saturday for a new episode featuring yours truly and other smarter folk. We need you and we want you with us. So come join us at the Manic Pixie Weirdo, where we accept, respect, and value you. Listen on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah. Be kind and stay weird.
1: So, yeah, the uh, I talked about uh, the introduction mentioned uh, redemption of some sort. And I know, you know, being Star Wars fans, we're all about redemption. But what uh, how can we sum up the traditional bad guy, Brad?
2: Yeah. See, you know, that's Uncle George's fault. The whole the whole redemption thing. (laughs) I mean, the traditional bad guy, it's a it's a either a person or, or a group of people or a presence that is just there to do bad things. Uh, and it's, you know, they usually have nefarious motives, um, evil, and uh, they are there to be the, the opposite of the protagonist. They are the antagonist. They are what drives the story. Um, and, you know, traditional, I would say, I, I would venture to say, is evil just for the sake of being evil. Uh, they didn't have these deep backstories that we were, that we're looking at now. They, they didn't need, um, <laughs> three, three movies to show how they became what they became. Uh, they were just there and they were evil and they were bad and the protagonists had to beat them. So good could prevail. So they were there to be bad and they were there for the antagonist to grow and, gr- and go on that hero's journey that you mentioned at the top of the show.
1: Yeah. So, you know, lately you and I have talked privately about, uh, you know, how Disney is uh, – there's a couple of movies um, that came out uh, last few years regarding the redemption of these bad guys. And I know I mentioned again in the introduction that uh, a lot of these antagonists are just misunderstood characters. Um, but uh, you bring up a good point. You bring up the point that uh, the, antagon- the antagonist is basically created – in order for the the protagonist or or in this case uh the the good guys to kind of learn about themselves and maybe grow beyond what it is that uh you know how we found them at the beginning of the story um i'm gonna ask you this you know we, we um we talk a lot about redemption in star Wars. We've got Anakin slash Vader back to Anakin. And it is a, you know, it is kind of a really great story. It's a story of uh, morality and decisions and, and overall redemption. I think uh, sometimes I think we do need some sort of deep redemption in order for us to understand that sometimes, you know, the choices of these characters and maybe even the choices within ourselves um, have some sort of consequence resolution and uh i don't know a, a, a way of, of bringing peace to our our decisions at the time um but uh do we uh, is there a danger in having all bad guys be redeemed like what does that do to the good guys
2: yeah i think there i think there is a psychological danger you're as the viewer, or say you're reading a story or you're watching a movie, you're supposed to, as someone reading that or viewing that, you're supposed to easily recognize this person as the villain. You're supposed to recognize them as bad. Um, and you're supposed to, you know, recognize them as a thing that has to be beaten or overcome or what have you. Um, there's a risk in making the viewer or the reader empathize too much with the villain. If you would believe what, if just take the prequels now, you know, and I love the prequels, but you know, somebody could make the argument that it's suggesting that anybody could become Darth Vader, which is simply not true. Well, you know, this is a, this is a man who loves a woman. And he's doing everything in his power to save her from death. And because of that, he falls to the dark side and becomes the greatest monster, you know, the galaxy had ever seen. Uh, so if you watch that, you could believe, well, that could happen to anybody. Well, the simple fact is, no, not everybody, you know, thank God, could become Darth Vader. You know, uh, so when we saw episode when, when when you saw a new hope in the theaters for the first time um, and I was not born yet, uh, you, know, Darth, <laughs> you know, Darth Vader was there and he was he was clad in black and you could easily see him as the bad guy. And he was evil for the sake of being evil. And you knew that was the that was the main villain. There was no emperor at that time. It was just Darth Vader. And he was that traditional bad guy that you talked about. Now we have these movies. You have the prequels where, you know, George introduced that idea uh, of the buildup. And now you mentioned some of the other Disney movies like, uh, you know, Maleficent and stuff like that, where now they're giving you this backstory. And to me, I believe they're suggesting that these sorts of things can happen to just about anyone. And I... You know, I, I'm too still. I'm still too optimistic at this point to believe that anybody can become a villain like that. So I think there is an inherent danger in trying to get the viewer, or the rea- or the reader, to relate too much to the villain.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good point, and I, I want to take it one step further. I think the actions of the villains show us that um, that I, I think you're right that not. It's not that everybody can be Darth Vader. I think it, it also stems from the fact that you can see that everyone has the potential to be Darth Vader. I talk about, um, I have this weird fascination with serial killers, and uh, I watch a lot of like these, you know, John Wayne Gacy shows and, and, and stuff like that. And there's a point in their personalities where you can see something just switched and then they go on this killing rage. And obviously it's the same with with Vader. But you're absolutely right. It's not that everybody can be Darth Vader, but there's a potential that everybody can be Darth Vader um, for the most part. But I think a lot of people have the ability to control and maybe to recognize, hopefully to recognize, when that switch may be turned on. And um, some people don't. Anakin didn't. And I think the motivation with Anakin, obviously, you you mentioned that, you know, he was in love with somebody and he basically, you know, sold his soul to try to save her. Um, But how many of us would have the potential or the ability to want to do that, lose ourselves to save someone else? I mean, it sounds romantic and romanticized um, as a concept, Um, but it's... I find that interesting, you know, um, but you said, you know, not everybody can be Darth Vader, but I do feel that everyone has the potential to be Darth Vader. And I think that's, that is the scary thing, but I think most of us have that, that self control not to be Darth Vader.
2: Right. But, you know, in the original trilogy, there was those moments that you're talking about, uh, episode five, for example, the the cave on Dagobah, uh, obviously what Yoda was trying to teach him there where, you know, the, the helmet Darth Vader, you know, he decapitates Vader and then he sees his own face. Um, and then you had those, uh, you know, at the end of Return of the Jedi, when he's clearly beaten Vader Uh, in the throne room and he cuts his hand off and then he looks at his own hand and, you know, sees the parallel there of, of them both losing that hand, you know? So the protagonist has those moments where he can see, wait a minute, I could go down that path, but I'm not going to. And I think references like that, subtle references like that in the, in the movies or, you know, whatever medium you're watching, I think that's enough. I don't, you know, when you were watching, you know, Dracula, as a kid, did you ever wonder how did Dracula get here or, you know, I kind of like Dracula as just this bad, you know, he's, he's a vampire and he's bad and, and Van Helsing is going to, you know, take care of that. I, I don't think we need to know necessarily in every case, how the villain got to where they are.
1: Yeah. Which brings me to the, uh, the next point in, in the notes I um, I wrote, um, are bad guys being set up to be more relatable in these stories? And do you think that we are supposed to relate to bad guys is, um, yeah, Talking about older movies, you said, you know, you saw Dracula and, uh, you obviously didn't relate to him because he was a vampire and he was bad and he was doing, you know, sneaking around, whatever. Um, but nowadays, because of the backstory of these characters, um, they are almost built like they are relatable characters up until the point where they you know do the bad thing and become bad guys and then we start to sympathize for their you know their feelings their situations um, that definitely I think opens up a a whole new can of worms when it comes to relating to the antagonist because. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it one step further. Does that, um, does that seep into the real world? Yeah.
2: You, you mentioned serial killers and, you know, one thing that's kind of disturbing, you know, there's all kinds of documentaries on just about every platform on serial killers these days. Ted Bundy was an insane homicidal maniac. And he
1: just needed a hug
2: just psychologically broken. Um, but if you watch a lot of these documentaries, they try to give you the full backstory on how Ted Bundy got there. Um, 99% of this world, I, I, I still believe maybe 99% is too high. Well under the 90, <laughs> 90 percentile of, of the humans on this planet are good people trying to do good things, you know, as you said at the top, trying to make their way in the galaxy. That that's about it. Most people are just trying to make their way in this world. Um, but if you watch a lot of these movies, they would have you believe that, you know, any of us can become, become these villains. Um, I think we are, I want the bad guy, you know, we, we recently finished the the Obi-Wan series and we, we talked ad nauseum about that, and the the, the Reva character. Um, That's not even the first time we saw a Sith Inquisitor get redeemed. You know, it it happened in, you know, spoiler alert, Jedi Fallen Order had a very similar storyline. Not exactly. There's some differences there. But that's not even the first time it's happened to an Inquisitor. Uh, And We we saw it with uh, Iden Verzio. In, in the in the Battlefront series, uh, the the video game and, and the associated books, you know, just have a bad guy. Now it seems, you know, um, you know, would you call would you call director Chronic a bad guy?
1: Would I call director Krennic a bad guy? I think, um, man, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I don't think I would call him a bad guy. He was, he had ambitions. I mean, right now I'm thinking, I'm going back to like his origins when he was younger, you know, Imperial officer, you know, you have ambitions, you take steps to reach these goals and, uh, you know, at, at what point do you become that bad guy that, that you reference as director Kranick? I don't know if I would call him a bad guy. He just, um, uh, he's just a, a corporate man that, uh, wanted to climb a ladder.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he was designed to be the bad guy, to be the villain. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I don't think he's that believable, you know, hence why you're having trouble with it. Sure. I don't, you know, I don't think it's that clear that, that he's the, the villain, um, some part of me thinks they're kind of unable to uh, write a good villain these days. And maybe that's why they're they're doing all this. I don't, I don't know. Um, But uh, I wonder how well they can just write a villain. That's just a
1: villain for the sake of it. Sure. Um, And speaking of writing a villain, uh, bestseller author, Dan Brown advocates in his writing, he talks about writing your villain first, even before your hero. So I wanted to ask you because the villain is the one that makes the hero heroic. Would you also advocate, like, for young writers to really concentrate on the characteristics and the actions of the villain before you go into the hero's journey? Uh, yes, absolutely. And uh,
2: speaking from you know personal experience, we're talking we talked about the D and D that we're doing right now. Um, and even when you're writing a and D story, uh, you know I started writing that with the with, you know it's called the Devil's Bargain is the name of the campaign, and I started with. The devil. This is going to be the person that's putting them in all these precarious situations. Uh, you know, you have uh, Moriarty uh, in the Sherlock Holmes stories and uh, yes, the more complex, conniving, scheming uh, the, the villain is, the more the protagonist is going to have to learn and grow. Um, so I think the, the more work you put into the villain, then the, the more bang for the buck you're going to get out of the protagonist. And the more the protagonist is going to have the opportunities to shine throughout the story. And like, you know, it, you know, we, we talked about Anakin slash Vader, same thing happened in, in the sequel trilogies. Had they just kept Kylo Ren evil the entire time, then Ray would have been able to shine that much more, and I think they just completely blurred the lines. You know, it was it was pretty obvious in episode seven. You know, he was the bad guy, and, and you know she came upon the these force powers, and she was a badass. You know, Jedi in training, um, and it was cool. There was a clear cut, you know, good versus evil there at the end of episode seven, and then starting with eight, and then continuing in nine. They just blur the lines the entire time where you who's who's evil. Now is Kylo evil is Ray turning evil. You didn't know the entire time. So Ray, I feel, was gypped out of the ability to shine by blurring Kylo Ren's
1: story. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. Um, I've heard the term bad guys really don't know that they're the bad guys. They have their own clear. um M.O., they have their goals, and they have uh, the one thing that is driving them. It's almost like they have their clear path towards their own morality. And I do have that in quotes in the lines because obviously sometimes those actions are not moral at all because they are the bad guy. But how does this jive with them being the antagonist? How, how How can a bad guy have their own morality?
2: You talked about the traditional villain, and I think Grand Moff Tarkin is the perfect example. I think that's what they wanted Krennic to be in in Rogue One. Of course, I think he fell. Well, I mean, he was even overshadowed by Tarkin in in that um, movie. I think he's that perfect example. Everything that Tarkin did, and you know, I wrote an article about this years ago, um, kind of from his point of view. Everything he did, he thought he was doing for the best of reasons, including blowing up an entire freaking planet. You know, so you can see, you know, I think he's a great psychological case study um, of somebody who thinks in their own mind. Well, he doesn't you know, he's trying to stop a rebellion. So in his mind, it's justified to blow up a planet of I think it was like four or six billion people to stop a large scale war, uh, war. You know, so that that made sense to him. You know, you have a villain like that, or you have another villain where they're just crazy, and therefore, because they're you know psychologically impaired, uh, that's why everything makes sense to them. But now um, it's kind of hard to you know with some of these stories, it's harder to see that distinction um, because of these different backstories that we give them. Um, But I think Tarkin was a great example of that.
1: Yeah, what's uh, what's one planet if you're saving? Hundreds and hundreds of others uh, by preventing a uh, galactic war,
2: right? And, yeah. But I mean, you can look at that and like you just—you just made four billion lives vanish in, in the blink of an eye, and that made sense to you. You know, there was no no other alternative that you could have taken. Hmm. That was the right thing to do for you, right? Um, And so that's that's how you can see
1: a true villain right there. I have just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Council permanently. The last remnants of the old Republic have been swept away all right time for the big thank yous podcast family to those of you who open up your hearts and support the Scariff scuttlebutt podcast team Scariff gives you all a heartfelt thank you to some wonderful people who listen and interact with the show as patrons we're super lucky to have you folks like 97 bravo from the convergence podcast and our head gamer at red five gaming big thank you backyard tardis our friend nicholas schaefer a huge supporter of the red five network Go support his channel. Look for Backyard Tardis on YouTube. And check out Scott and Kim of the Used and Abused podcast. Thank you, fellow Red Fivers. Look for them on all the socials. Big thanks to our Executor-tier patrons. Thanks so much, everyone. Can't forget our other supporters like DJ and Steve from Rogue One Radio. Music, fun, TV, and the occasional shenanigans. Check them out. And we've got Danny from Comics and Cosmetics, a YouTube channel you cannot miss. Go subscribe, and thank you, Danny. The Frank from Miami, what's up, Frank? And we got Joey Rosales, longtime patron, thank you, kind sir. Our very own expert on classic Hollywood and one of our favorite collaborators, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Sing Blue Silver, inside joke. And lest we not forget our scuttle buddies like Alex and Chad, Hyperspace, and Holocrons. Don't forget Jay from Florida. Huge respect to all our patrons and thanks for your support. And if you also want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy our show, head on over to patreon.com slash Scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. So let's do something fun. Name three best and cool villains uh, or villain introductions. I guess just villains that are not Darth Vader. I know that's an easy cop out.
2: <clears throat> well, well, who I are mean, your favorite villains? The I think the top of it has to be Joker, hmm. because I mean there is you know you, you know, a couple minutes ago we talked about writing the villain before. The hero, there is no Batman without Joker. Look at all the other villains he fights; they're silly. Uh, I mean, you have they either they're either you know outright silly or they fall flat as villains. I mean, uh, there's been there's been a couple ones that they've they've made over the years that were really good, but you know. Uh, Riddler in the new movie was was pretty good from a psych- psychological standpoint, but if you look at it, the other um, what do they call them the gallery of villains for Batman, they're they're kind of a joke in my opinion. But you have this character of Joker, who is just utterly insane, and he causes chaos just for the sake of causing chaos. And he does the whole thing just to torment Batman. I heard a the theory a long time ago, which I've, I've kind of clung to, that the whole thing is Bruce Wayne is actually a, a mental patient at Arkham Asylum and all these adventures are in his head. Mm. Uh, and I've kind of clung to that. And, uh, you know, but but Joker is that antagonist in his head that won't let him sleep at night or during the day, whenever the hell Bruce Wayne actually sleeps. Um, And I think he is the ultimate villain because he's just evil incarnate. And, you know, how do you, how do you kill evil itself? So, you know, I, I put him on top. um, But uh, what, what do you think?
1: No, you know, I find that interesting because I've also heard, um, you know, w- when whenever it is that we do talk about um, Batman and the Joker um, out there on, on Twitterverse, I always get, uh, you know, folks that uh, love the discussion, but they also mention the fact that, you know, Batman and Joker are two sides of the same coin. Um, and the relationship between the two is a perfect example of having the antagonist and the protagonist be part of the same personality. You can definitely see, and like you said, there is no Batman without Joker. And I would, uh, I would endeavor to say the opposite is, is also correct. Um, Especially, uh, you know, in some of these newer, um, the, the comic books, but probably, I think in the in the uh, Nolan movies, that might uh, also serve uh, to, to to be correct. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I think you know, the Joker is definitely a villain that um, I might venture to say that he is a uh, in a class of his of his own. Um, he's such. There's not a lot that we know about the Joker. Before he became the Joker, and I know we've got the movie and and people have argued, you know, is that uh, canonical in, in, in the DC world and stuff like that? There's for years we've just have we ever had like a backstory of the
2: Joker? Um, one of the best things about the the Nolan films is how many times he changed his own backstory, uh, you know, of, you know how he got that grin. Right and I think that's like, I think there's at least three or four different ways he said he got those scars on his face um but you don't you don't need like i I don't know the Joker movie was good with joaquin phoenix i I really did enjoy that um but I still don't think it's it was necessary right and you know you you talked about the being two sides of the same coin and yeah the you know the antagonists and protagonists are, are supposed to go tit for tat the entire time, and in addition to making the protagonists grow and grow, you know, progress on their hero's journey, it is supposed to show them parts of themselves that they don't like, and it makes the you know just like we saw with Luke in the in the cave, it makes them question, you know, can I become this, and that's when they make their turn. Um, to to the good you know the, the good side and and overcome that um, but yeah I think the only person that you know one of the only villains up there with Joker uh, I think Hannibal Lecter as, as a villain I think he he is up there um, throughout those stories you know evil just for the sake of evil and then you know basically the the psychological manipulation that goes on. You know, in the Silence of the Lambs, I think I would definitely put him up there with Joker.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Joker and um, Hannibal Lecter. I think those are two very classic uh, villains and uh, Hannibal Lecter. There's something about villains like Hannibal Lecter that um, that give you the chills even more so than someone like even Darth Vader. I mean, Darth Vader to a point, I think, but Hannibal Lecter is so calm, cool, and collected, and you always you always clump the bad guys with with, with characters like the Joker, they're maniacal, they're crazy, they're out of their mind. There's no way he can be sane, but Hannibal Lecter just uh, is just the opposite of that. There's um, you know, with some of the things that he does and some of the things that he says, it's just, it's, it's insane to think that he is sane, you know, sometimes because of how calm and collected he is. And I mentioned Darth Vader, you know, Vader also kind of has this, this kind of calm and, and collected way of of, of uh, dealing with things, um, but characters like Hannibal Lecter um, probably really give you more of a chill because of how chill they are and controlling and precise. And I think that is one of the characteristics that I enjoy in in a villain.
2: But think about if and I and I'm, you know I haven't watched that entire series of movies. I, I think he does have some. Even he has some backstory movies, if I'm not mistaken. But if you were to watch, you know, if this was like, if Silence of the Lambs was the third movie in the series and you watched Hannibal grow up and and become that, would you still have gotten those chills, you know, seeing the way he acts? And I don't think so. Mm -hmm. This is why when somebody people ask me all the time, hey, you know, if I'm going to go watch Star Wars for the first time, where where do I start? I never, there are some people that just want to go in, you know, numerical order one through nine. And I, and I say that is, that is the worst thing to do. Yeah, You know, I, it, because it, it completely takes away the villain aspect of Darth Vader. I always tell them start if, you know, if they want to watch the extra movies, um, start with solo and then rogue one and then go to episode four. If they don't want to watch the extra movies, then you start with episode four. And then you watch episode five and when it gets to the cliffhanger, the end of episode five, then you go back and watch episodes one, two and three uh, and treat him as a flashback. So then when you get back to return of the Jedi, you have your answer to that question. Is he actually Luke's father? But if, if you watch them starting with nine year old Anakin, then Vader just seems kind of like a chump in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Sure. Start where he's at the height of his evilness and then work your way back from there. That's the, you know, that's one of the biggest downsides in my opinion to these villain backstories.
1: Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, they, uh, we, um, we mentioned the machete order. Is that the Brad order? Oh yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. For, for anybody watching, if you want the official, and this is, if you want to watch all movies, you can take out episode two, you can take out uh, episode eight, if you want to, even episode one, if you want to, but if you want the, Exact order for the best Star Wars experience, it's Solo, Rogue One, Episodes 4 and 5. Then go back and watch Episodes 1, 2, and 3. And then finish that up with six, seven, eight, and 9. And that'll be the best for the uh, new viewer as well as the uh, salty viewer, if you will, um, to get the most out of your Star Wars experience.
1: I'm just jotting that down. Six, seven, nine. Perfect. Thank you.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you mentioned um, we were talking about the uh st- Two different sides of the same coin so you know villains often represent a darker side of themselves but also ourselves and i think that's one of the reasons that we kind of gravitate to the bad guys we've got the jekyll and hyde we've got luke and vader etc etc uh why do we think villains like that work best in these stories because life is pretty
2: vanilla Right. I mean, if, if you go your your day to day, you know, we, we wake up, we, we brush our teeth, we have breakfast, we go to work and we come home, we eat dinner, we brush our teeth, watch some TV and we go to sleep. Life itself is is can be pretty vanilla. Um, and it's always interesting to explore the darker side of things. It's the same reason, like you said earlier, you know, serial killers. I, I'm pretty sure my friend Roe will never become a serial killer. But, you know, it's always interesting to to just to examine that and to study like, oh, wow, I can't believe there's that much evil in this world. Um, and it's uh, it makes it very interesting. We, we like to study the darker side of things. And, uh, it, you know, we do like to ask ourselves those questions, those introspection you know, type of questions. Can I ever become like that? Um, and then hopefully the answer is quickly, no, absolutely not. Of course, I can't become like that.
1: Yeah, you mentioned introspection. Um, there is a sentence that I read while I was doing the research. The bad guy is the ultimate obstacle. And that ultimate obstacle is is you, it's yourself. Um, I think when it comes to introspection, I think that's what they mean about that. You talked about how... The antagonist is built up so that the, the journey from the protagonist is is harder, and then his victory means more. Um, so what do you think about that, that, that uh, sentence, that the ultimate obstacle is yourself when it comes to the bad guy? Do you agree or disagree? I agree. That's
2: uh, one of the pinnacles of the hero's journey. Um, y- you know, the physical form of the obstacle is the villain. But there has to be something either psychological or spiritual that needs to be resolved within the protagonist. You know, um, classical stories, you know, there might have been a dragon, right? This dragon doesn't even talk, but the dragon is the villain. Well, the, the knight, whether it's King Arthur or any other knight that was fighting the dragon, well, they had to obviously slay the dragon, but something happened to ha- had to have happened before that for them to be able to do that. They had to find the resolve or the courage um, to be able to do that. You can't just go in and kill a dragon. It's, it's not going to work. You have to overcome these things within yourself. Um, so I think that's absolutely true. While there is a physical manifestation of an obstacle in the form of a villain, um, it's really, like I said, a psychological or spiritual thing or emotional thing that the protagonist has to uh, resolve or overcome and or in order for there to be a final victory in the story.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, we, we first started talking about these uh, new movies about redemption um, and the redemption of the antagonist, the bad guy. Um, I heard also that audiences might be getting a little bit more demanding when it comes to stories of uh, good and evil we are no longer um you know treated with bad guys that are just bad guys you know sitting there twirling their mustaches they want something a little more deeper do you think that that is one aspect of why we see these new stories diving into um you know these characters that you know start out like little Annie and turn into the darkest force of the galaxy
2: a character can be deeper without you also being able to relate to that character and i think this is i think you're making scapegoats or people who say this are making scapegoats for for lazy writing in my opinion you know you can make a character look at the best writers out there Stephen King you know, Brandon Sanderson, uh, all all these authors out there and they have some very complex villains, but at the same time, you can't relate to them. You can't relate to those villains. Um, so I think that's a cop-out by just, you know, giving them a relatable backstory. I I think that's crap. You know, I think we do deserve to have good villains out there. Um, The villain, as we were saying earlier, could be the best part of the movie. Make them complex, make them deep, you know, but they don't need to be relatable at the same time. You should be able to readily identify that character as the bad person. You know, maybe it takes some some amount of investigation, you know, you know, Phantom Menace approach. You have to figure out who it is. But once you've identified that person as the villain, they should stand out as the bad guy. Not, oh, well, that could be me in a few years. I could see myself becoming Emperor Palatine in a few years. No, that's <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. You know, identify them as the villain and and uh, they stayed that way. Let the let the bad guy stay evil, but make them complex at the same time.
1: You know, this goes even deeper. Um, this next is that Amy sneaking around back there. I think. Oh yeah, she, yeah. Amy's definitely <laughs> sneaking
2: around.
1: <laughs> I just saw her sneak by. So you you talked about uh, taking a look at someone like Palpatine and saying, "Oh, I I, I can see myself turning into Palpatine," um, which I think, uh, as audience members, no one should have to think about. I think. Um, I think for the most part, you're right. You you see a bad guy. And you shouldn't have to want to relate to that bad guy. You know, you watch a documentary about John Wayne Gacy, and I would not want to, you know, give him a hug and say, I know you went through a lot. I can understand why you killed all those boys. It, there's, it's, it's just kind of crazy to think about. But I think... Um, I think a lot of movies today because of the redemption or at least because of how they are being written, um, especially the antagonist, um, I think they're kind of switching the paradigm and they're they're making these bad guys um, more sympathetic. Um, and I do kind of find a, a weird issue with that um, for the reason that you mentioned, you know, um, I don't want to be Palpatine. Um, and yes, life is kind of vanilla, but I think, um, you know, we have this type of escapism to kind of, uh, I don't know, pepper our lives with a little bit of adventure without any consequence. But I think again, getting back to the the thing that I said that, you know, a lot of people recognize where that line is. And I know a lot of people don't, and that's, uh, neither here nor there. That's a whole nother topic but, um, there is that line that most people recognize. And I hope, uh, I hope we get to see some, you know, some more villains that really show us that it's not okay to, to relate to villains or it's, uh, it's not okay to idolize these bad guys because we do sometimes we do idolize them. Obviously when, when we do our scare lives, you see this bad guy behind me, Darth Vader. Um, but again, I know where the line is.
2: Right, the, those lines are becoming ever more blurred as you know our society goes along, and we can never forget. You know, art reflects life, but we also can't forget that life reflects art from time to time, or too often. And people do get ideas, and with you know people living in technology, living in social media, uh, living you know in Netflix and. Hulu and everything else, right? These stories make an impression on the viewers and stop making these characters relatable. You can understand somebody and also not relate to them, right? We, 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 we make world war two references all the time on, on the show. You know, you can understand Hitler, but you should never say, well, Well, yeah, anybody can go down that path. No, that's not true, right? It takes a special kind of sick psychotic person to do that sort of thing. So there's a stark difference between understanding a villain and relating to or empathizing with the villain. And we need to stop blurring those lines.
1: Absolutely, totally agree. Alright, any final thoughts on villains? This was a good discussion, and we got uh, deep, just like back in the day. Yeah, we like it deep here. On the, <laughs> on,
2: um, no, I'm glad you know we've been talking about doing this show for a while, and I think the conversation turned out exactly as we would hope, um, and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts. Um, maybe there's uh, listeners out there that think we're completely wrong on all this. Uh, maybe maybe we're just too old and crusty bro Um, and uh, I would love to hear you know uh, you know in the comments or uh, on Twitter wherever you want to hit us up Uh, let us know what you think were we wrong on this Uh, does that help you understand the character better let us know
1: absolutely we've got a couple of giveaways coming up in the next uh, few episodes so please stand by I um, I got some really great, um, books to give away that, uh, are gems in, uh, at the, uh, bookstore. Really great. Um, I lost track of them for a while, but, uh, wait, let me grab one of them
0: because they're really cool.
1: The Zombie Survival Guide Recorded Attacks, which is kind of cool. I think it's a graphic novel. Oh, cool. And, um,. Uh, This book, author Marissa Meyer called Cinder and um, talks about humans and androids. Um, And it's kind of kind of has this Japanese feel to it. Oh, nice. Um, So I picked up a couple of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I picked up a couple of those. You know, it actually reminds me of Alita Battle Angel. So it's got that feel to it. So, uh, when are we getting our Alita sequel? When we when are we getting that Alita sequel? Um, you know, if in the future, if you ever want to do an Alita show, because we really never have, and I, I just bought the uh the DVD, the Blu ray, and uh watched it the other night, I really yeah. enjoyed it.
2: I'll definitely do a rewatch, I'd be totally down for that.
1: Excellent, excellent. We'll bring what Shanti happens when they make a good one.
2: movie, don't make a sequel, yeah, crappy movie, make all the sequels.
1: Yeah, I know, totally. <laughs> How does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. But yes, as Brad said, we love to interact with you guys on Twitter and all the socials. So please, if you have some suggestions or comments on this episode, hit us up on the socials everywhere you find your other podcasts, Scarif Podcast, and all the shows, socials. Say that 10 times fast. I know you love that alliteration. I blame mm-hmm. you for that one. Yep. But yeah, hit us up and... Uh, I always want to say hit us up in the DMS, but that's uh, gonna leave a mark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Brad. Um, thank you for joining me on this topic. The legacy of the bad guy. I like bad guys. I don't want to be one. Sometimes I do, though. That's kind of the weird thing. But yeah.
2: Well. We can start right over with the Falling Down movie. Has uh, you know, when you're when you're younger and you watch that right. 1991, like how can Michael Douglas become so evil? And then you watch Falling Down as you know a you know slightly older person.
1: <laughs> ah, now I get now it. Now I get it. So, exactly. There you go. Absolutely. All right, Brad. Thank you very much. Catch us next time. And uh, if this is your first foray into the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, thank you very much for finding us. Uh, let us know where you did find us. But uh, if this is not your first Scare of Show, thank you very much for continuing to listen to us. Ollie, thank you very much for keeping us on our toes. Uh, we got uh, a couple of new shows in the works as well, my friend, and everyone else that joins. That enjoys us uh, discussing between Brad, myself, and Shanti and all of our friends out there in the Twitter land. For the rest of the Red 5 Network, check them out at red. I'm sorry. It's uh, bio.link slash red5. You can check the rest of the Red 5 Network out there doing videos and creating content and shows and things like that. Um, Always lots of fun. Check them out where you can.
2: Yep. And let the bad guys win once in a while. And that's the Scuttlebutt.
0: Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red 5 Network offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network.